The sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, preached on April 10, 2011, for the fifth Sunday in Lent, based on the sermon text, John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27, and verses 38 through 44. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit brings us life in Christ is John chapter 11, the gospel for today. Please give your attention to a portion of that reading again. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. It was the fight of the century. The buzz was in the air, the crowds were gathering. In one corner was the grim reaper, that Sith-wielding skeleton robed in black, shrouded in the hooded darkness, death itself. His opponent? His opponent, none other than the life, Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, the Son of God, the coming one. Now, as we see this battle laid out in the text here in John chapter 11. We realize Jesus could have chosen a lesser opponent for this round. He did not have to wait until death had seized Lazarus' body. Mary and Martha had sent him word, which we heard, or which was earlier reported in the chapter before the text here. They had sent him word that Lazarus was sick. Jesus could have left right away but rather he sends a reply back to Mary and Martha. He says to them, this will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through this. Notice that Jesus points to the final outcome in that reply. Death would not end up winning, but but he doesn't say that Lazarus isn't going to die in the meantime. Yes, Jesus could have chosen simply to have healed the sickness, maybe from a distance, like he did with the servant of the centurion. Or he could have hurried and been there because he had healed many sicknesses before, hadn't he? Even leprosy. And wouldn't that have been an easier opponent to face than death? But Jesus, Jesus knew what he was doing. Rather than leaving right away so that he could get there to heal the sickness, he waited. He waited two days before he left. And by the time he leaves, he knows that Lazarus has already died. In fact, he tells his disciples that Lazarus has died, for he knows all things. But why go then? Lazarus was already dead, why go? Because the closer he got to Jerusalem, the closer he came to danger. And Bethany was 
only two miles or so from Jerusalem, an easy walk for the people of that day. In fact, that's why Jesus had not been there when Lazarus became sick. Jesus had already moved to the other side of the Jordan because the Jewish leadership there in Jerusalem had made attempts at his life. and The time was not right yet. So Jesus had carried on ministry on the other side of the Jordan. That's where the message reached him. That's why he wasn't there. But now why go? Why go into that danger when Lazarus was already dead? Wouldn't they all end up dead like Lazarus? Or at least that seems to be what Thomas feared. But Jesus, Jesus knew what he was doing. For he was going to clearly show his mission. He was going to clearly show why the Father had sent him. Yes, compared to healing the sick, this was a much greater opponent, wasn't it? He had raised the dead before. But these were people who had recently died. The daughter of Jairus, the son of the widow of Nain. Did you hear what the scriptures said? By the time Jesus gets to Bethany, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. His body would have begun to decay It would stink like rotting meat. It seemed like death was the sure winner. Jesus knew his mission. His mission wasn't simply, was not simply to heal the sick. His mission was to battle death. Jesus knew why the Father had sent him to this earth. Jesus knew why he had come into our world. And he knew that in about three months, From that time, he would face death eye to eye as he hung on the cross. He would face death, not only the physical death with the pains of body found in that gruesome crucifixion, but he would face that God-forsakenness which brings the terror of hell. He would face death and the full sting of death that sin brings. For he became sin for us. All the sins of the world, he carried them all as he hung there on the cross, facing death, battling death eye to eye. And he won the victory there, didn't he? Just as he foreshadows here at Lazarus' tomb, there on the cross, he won the victory that the Easter tomb, the empty tomb, proclaims when Jesus rose from the dead. And here we get a foreshadowing of that victory. Jesus knew his mission, his mission to carry out God's saving work. And he carried out that mission that brings us life that brings us rescue from death's darkness. He battled death and won the victory for you and for me. That was his mission. And that's why he came to that tomb of Lazarus and why he could call out for Lazarus to come forth. Think of the crowds that were gathered there. Think of how God's glory shone out for those people from Jerusalem, even some who were his enemies, those Jews that had fought against him, no doubt, either were there or heard of it, they could see. They could see God's saving glory at work as Jesus calls out how that once again affirms that Jesus is the Son of God 
who had come to do that mission to defeat death's darkness for you and for me. How this once again affirms that Jesus is the Son of God, our Savior, who won the victory from death. He is the life, the life who came to bring us life, for he battled death and won the victory. That was his mission. And so, dear friends, don't forget, never forget the mission that Jesus came to do here, to defeat death by taking away our sins. That was his mission. His mission wasn't to make death our friend so that funerals become parties. As he stood there, he saw the grief of Mary and Martha. He saw how death had robbed them of their loved ones and tears came to his eyes and wet his cheeks as well. Indignation filled his heart. Indignation against death. That death would hurt his dear friends so ruthlessly, so heartlessly. Yes, remember Jesus' mission. He came to defeat death. Not to make death our friend. He came to defeat death for he is the resurrection and the life. Yes, I am the resurrection and the life, he declares. He is the anti-death. He has conquered death, battling it on the cross, winning the victory for you and for me. That was his mission. And so although death is still our enemy, we need not fear this enemy. Yes, you who believe in Jesus, have no reason to fear death. For Jesus has won that victory. And those are important words for us to take to heart here as well. That he gives us that victory through faith. That for us who believe in Jesus, death no longer holds its fearless fearfulness, though it's our enemy. It's for those who believe. Even as Jesus told Martha there, he who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And then this brings us to the second part here where we focus on, on faith. This is important for us to keep in mind. Jesus conquered death. He won that victory. But it's those who believe who gain the blessing of that victory. And how many thousands die each hour in unbelief. Some who no doubt were brought up in a church. Some who may still go to church, but their church no longer presents Jesus as the Savior from death who takes away our sins. Rather, they talk about Jesus as a role model of love or as an inspiration of hope. And that's not the real Savior. How many may still know about Jesus and even the right words to say about Jesus. But their faith has died long ago and they no longer listen to his voice or live lives for his glory. How many might these be of people that we know, even loved ones, even members of our own congregation? They may still talk about hoping to be in heaven someday. But when you look at their connection to Jesus, or actually their lack of connection to Jesus, you wonder whether there is any faith there at all. 
For faith wants to be close to Jesus. Yes, think about that. Faith wants to be close to Jesus. Look at Mary and Martha as they go to Jesus. This faith wants to be close to him, listening to his voice in word and sacrament, bearing his fruit in our lives. No fruit means no faith. They have become a dead tree. And they need to hear God's warning through you. Without faith, death brings hell. For the unbeliever, including those whose faith has died from malnourishment, death is hell. A real, ceaseless, endless hell, no matter how many nice words are said at their funerals. We dare never use Jesus' words here to make a conscience comfortable in its unbelief. Sin damns. And the unbelieving conscience needs to see that terror of death and its hopelessness so that the person turns to Jesus, the only one who has battled death and won, the only one who is the resurrection and the life. That was the mission Jesus came to do. That is the mission he completed. And that is what faith believes, that Jesus has battled death and won the victory for you. And notice how this faith focuses on Jesus. There's that, that connection, isn't there? between faith and and life in Jesus. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die, Jesus says. See how he he equates faith and living in in him? Yes, even though our physical bodies die one day, we who believe continue to live with Jesus. And that living doesn't start on the day we die. No, that living starts on the day that the Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts. Faith lives the life's victory, Jesus' victory, that victory that he won for us. And such faith focuses on Jesus. Notice that in Mary's, or or in Martha's response. When Jesus asks her, do you believe this? Martha does not give some vague answer. Yeah, I hope to be in heaven someday. No. If you really think about it, heaven for most people, just means something better after death. And don't most religions have some kind of hope like that? The Muslims have their paradise. The ancient North had Valhalla. Buddhists and Hindus talk about nirvana. Even the atheist has a hope that death will bring a non-existence, that everything ends. But none of that is faith. Rather, faith focuses on Jesus. Notice how Martha's faith focused on Jesus. Yes, Lord, she says. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. That's not a fluffy, wishing hope for something better after death, is it? Faith confesses Jesus. Faith confesses Jesus as the Christ, the anointed one. That's what the word Christ means. Jesus is the anointed prophet who alone can make the Father known. Jesus is the anointed high priest 
who offered himself as the Lamb to atone for the sins of the world. Jesus is the anointed King who alone has conquered sin and death to win the victory for you. Jesus is the Christ, the Anointed One. Faith confesses Jesus as the Son of God. Who but God himself could work such a great salvation for us? Who but the Son who is with the Father from all eternity can make the Father known to us? What but the blood of God can ransom and redeem the world from sin? Who but the Almighty God could conquer Satan and death? Yes, how God's glory shines out there from the empty uh, from, from from the from what Jesus did there at Lazarus' tomb. As he prayed to his heavenly Father for all to hear, they could clearly see that the Father and Jesus were one in will, one in purpose, one God. How the Son was glorified, true God from true God. And such faith confesses Jesus as the coming one, the one foretold by the Lord through the prophets, the one who came into our darkness to bring us the light of life. Such faith, dear Christian, your faith cherishes Jesus and that victory that he has won for you. He is the life. Such faith cherishes Jesus as much more than a get-out-of-hell-free card. Such faith lives his victory, Jesus' victory, each day, every day, not just the day of our death. And maybe a, a way for us to to see this is to think of the fearlessness of a toddler. Though his legs are so wobbly, he barrels forward. Heedless of danger, he would play with a sharp knife or touch a hot burner or even run into a busy street. That's why parents need to keep their eyes open. But focus on that toddler's boldness and fearlessness in living in doing, in in exploring. Now, some of that boldness may come from ignorance, not realizing how easily he can get hurt, but how much of it comes from trust? Trust that Daddy will be there to catch him. Trust that Mommy's hugs and kisses will make any owie go away. Yes, that trust brings such boldness and fearlessness in living. And that, dear friends, that is the boldness of faith as we see and live the victory that Jesus has won for us. Not not a physical recklessness as a toddler has. No, God has given us a mind and common sense to protect our bodies, but a spiritual boldness that lives for Jesus, that pursues Jesus no matter what the cost that takes up our cross and follows him without regard for ourselves. Yes, that boldness that follows Jesus no matter where he leads, whether it is the the rough road or the lonesome valley or the narrow gate, that follows him because we know that he is the life, that he has won the victory for us, that his promise is true. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Cling to that promise with a toddler's faith. And consider what that means for our day-to-day life. With that boldness of faith, 
that lives the life's victory, Jesus' victory, then we need not be afraid of what the enemies of Christ might do to us. Yes, no matter what kind of ridicule or embarrassment they may heap upon us, even if they would take our property and possessions, even if they take our family and our physical life, they cannot take the life away from you. They cannot take Jesus' victory from you. For he has promised, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And he keeps his word. Think of how that changes our daily choices and decisions For now we can go through life without being hounded by worry and fear. We don't have to let worry and fear drive our decisions. You know, thoughts like, what are others going to think? Or, what if I don't have enough saved up when something bad happens? Or, If I stand up for Jesus, others might get angry with me or I might miss out on some of the fun or on pursuing my dreams. Yes, so many things in this world can drive us to worry and fear. But boldness of faith follows Jesus and says with Martin Luther, take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife, let these all be gone. They yet have nothing won. The kingdom ours remaineth. Yours is the kingdom For Christ, Jesus, the life, has battled death and won the victory for you. That was his mission. So now live with that boldness of faith. Live for Jesus. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.